Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, Steeler fans. Welcome to this installment of the Steel Conversation. My name is Brian Diardo, and uh, we're going to be joined in a few minutes by Chris Carter of DK Pittsburgh Sports. So, should be a very, very good uh, podcast, and we're looking forward to it. And we actually have Chris on the line right now, so we're going to go ahead and get him. Good morning, Chris. How you doing, sir? I'm all right this fine morning. How are you, Brian? Man, we're kicking things off a minute early. I like it. I like it. We're ready to go. We're we're in playoff form. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm doing good, man. There's there's still football to discuss, which is which is never a bad thing. And uh, I was uh, just about to just to tell the listeners out there just a little little reprise of what's been going on with the team before you know we kind of get rolling. And I think the biggest thing, uh, you know, for me has kind of been like the health of the team. Obviously, going into the uh, the Chiefs game, uh, you know, Ladarius Screen didn't practice yesterday. Uh, you know, Ben didn't practice, neither did Bell, but I think everybody knew that if, if you listen to what Coach Tomlin said on Tuesday. And also, Ben is the ripe old age of, of almost 35, so he's going to get those Wednesdays off. But um, I wanted just to get things kicked off with you, Chris, uh, just going back to the Miami game. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, talk just about uh, your thoughts from that game. It was obviously complete 180 from what happened. Uh, back in week six, uh, you know, offensively, you know, they were moving the ball on, you know, in both facets. Uh, I think Le'Veon Bell almost, I think he did triple his, his, his yardage total uh, rushing wise from week six. And then J.H.I. had the exact opposite thing happen to him. So what were, what were your thoughts uh, from that game before we look ahead to Kansas City? The thing I was saying before the game is that what J.H.I. did to the Steelers in uh, week six, it was not that he was getting in holes and making multiple people miss, uh, you know, in, in tight spaces and then, you know, ripping off big plays like that. It was literally that the Steelers just weren't in the right gaps. You know, like Trent Dilfer did his thing on the NFL countdown and said, well, look at what happens when big guys get on little guys. I'm like, yeah, I mean, you could talk about that, but that's not really the thing, the thing here. The thing was that in week six, the Steelers had a rotation at outside linebacker, and the guys that they were rotating in Jarvis Jones and Anthony Ciccolo um, and Arthur Motes, they weren't really up to snuff when it came to, you know, being consistent problems at the outside linebacker position. And that's something that they have now with Bud Dupree and James Harrison. They're turning runs back to the inside. They're, they're, they're helping the, the, uh, the rest of the team be, be able to simply not have to worry about that. And when you, when, when more people guys are chipping in consistently, you're going to see more, uh, more consistent play from every from everyone else, and that's what you saw. Sound defense. Um, the only way that he that JHI was going to be able to make things happen was if he made people miss in, in small spaces or if he ran people over. And he simply didn't do that. And that's really what he hasn't done the entire season, outside of the the Steelers game and the two Bills games that he had. Uh, he averaged sixty six yards a game in the season. Uh, you know, and you know, yeah. I mean, he's still. He still put up really good numbers for the for the season if you, when you add in those three games. But um, I think the thing is, Jai, he's a lot like Rashard Mendenhall. You know, he's a he's a he he can hit the hole he's supposed to. Um, he can he can turn on a little bit of speed at times, um, but he's not going to make people miss in space. And you, he needs good blocking in front of him to make him successful. So I think that was the biggest turnaround on defense and offense. I think it was just that. Ben Roethlisberger threw two touchdowns in the first quarter, and that's the first time it was the first playoff game in 13 playoff games for Ben that he thought he thrown a touchdown in the um, in the first quarter. Um, and 
I think that's just so huge because it allowed the running game to open up. It allowed the defense to sort of play with that lead. Uh, and that's what you need to see more out of the Steelers team. They have the elite weapons. Uh, they need to be putting up points in bunches. And when they did that, you saw it was a blowout against Miami. I think if they do, if he comes out and does some more of that against Kansas City, you're, you're going to see another route. Yeah, and, and talking about the offense there, that was a nice transition because I wanted to ask you about the offense. Was uh, You know, Ben's been saying balance, 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 he, you know, and he said it yesterday. And um, it just seems like, you know, one point in the season they just found it. You know, they found – their balance on offense and whether, whether it's the run sets up the pass or the pass sets up the run, like, like it was this past week, you know, it's been, uh, they've had that balance. Um, the thing that I liked about the Ravens game going back to Christmas was I kept saying during the winning streak to myself, I didn't say to anybody else, but I was like, you know, mm-hmm. I'd like to see the passing game have to win a game for us. Like if it's, you know, we're down by 10, I mean, we have the lead and pound with Le'Veon Bell. Like that's all, that's, that's all always going to be a winning recipe. If you have the lead late in the game, just like, you know, Jerome Bettis 10, 12 years ago, Willie Parker eight years ago, whatever, you know, you, you, you know, you get the lead, run the ball, win the game. But it's, it was nice to see them trail by 10 and have to come back like that. But, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the fourth quarter of the Dolphins game, obviously the Steelers didn't score any more points. Was there anything, you know, residual? Or is there anything to look at from that or to be worried about? Or was it just they were up 30 to 6, they didn't need to throw any new wrinkles out there, and they were just trying to get the game over with? Which, which one is it in your opinion? I felt like there were some things they could have done better still in the fourth quarter. Um, you, you still want to put, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a guy, you want to beat, beat an ant with a sledgehammer. Um, you know, yeah. That involves, you know, when you get it, when you get a Miami team that's that down, keep hitting them, you know, keep, keep, you yeah. know, keep, keep putting up points on them. Um, you know, people are talking about, you know, Ben should have been out. And yeah, I think that Ben should have been out at that point in the game, but I get the idea because your your team is hot, your offense is hot, and you want them to stay hot, and you don't want them to take. If you take them out, you know that part of that the philosophy is that oh we're you know we're resting them and they could get cold again. Um, and I mean we've seen that before with past Steelers teams. Um, you know in 2007 they rested the entire team and then they lost in the opening round of the playoffs. So I, I get that Mike Tomlin's probably thinking like look I'm just trying to keep, if my guy doesn't want to come out I'm going to keep him out there and I'm going to let him do what he wants to do. Um, you know, you wanted to see more points get put up. And I think that was part of why Ben wanted to stay out there, too. He's like, hey, we still got point. We, we, we still got points we can put up. We still got things we can do and, you know, things that we can improve on. Um, so I, I think that that's where that sort of came from. Um, and uh, um, so well, so, yeah, I want to ask you this I, real I think, quick, Chris. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're good. Well, I was going to ask you on that last interception because I, I know, I'm sure you listened to the, his talk show on Tuesday. He kind of like bashes a receiver and is like, "Hey, you know, if he, if he runs the right route, that that probably probably don't get hurt or whatever." But I I, mean, I figure it's got to be Demarcus Ayers because he's he's the only receiver in the area besides Jesse James and Ben did say yeah, receiver or tight end. He said receiver. I mean, because it was it was on, in terms of receivers on the field at that time, it was it was Antonio Brown, Eli Rogers, and Ayers, and Ben looks at Eli for a little bit before he goes back over to, to Ayers. Was it – I mean, obviously he didn't say, so for either of us is probably speculation, but would it be right to assume that that was, that was Ayers on that, on that throw? Yeah, that was Ayers. Yeah, that was definitely Ayers. He, okay. ran, he ran the wrong way. And um, I think that left Ben out to dry a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's, I, and I think, yeah, he's going he's gonna to point that out just to, 
I think he was he had, it, it wasn't to really put airs out, out to dry. I think he was trying to ease up the blow because everyone, I mean, as soon as he got hit, um, Twitter exploded with Tomlin so stupid, um, yep. and uh, that's kind of that's kind of what happened there. Uh, and so I think Ben was kind of like he. I think he kind of saw or heard the noise and was like, "Look, we're just gonna, we're not going to put pressure on the coach on the coach like that because this is ridiculous." Even though Mike Tomlin took the heat for it. Um, because he said that was all that was my play call, not Todd Haley's. Um, but you know, I, I think it's, it was just the, one of the things. It happens in football; people are going to get hurt, um, and it's just it's an unfortunate thing. But Ben Ben's okay; he's not even limping anymore, so I think they're going to be fine. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, I, I think that the biggest thing that people aren't talking about is is I mean, I think there's two things to be honest with you. I, I this winning streak; it's the offensive line. And it's the defense, you know, and I think like Ben, Ben keeps saying like this offensive line is the MVP of the team um, or just at least for the offense. And I think Marquise Pouncey is the most underrated player on the Steelers team. I don't even think it's close. Like, you know, obviously it's hard to say that because he gets in the Pro Bowl, but no one, I mean, and I'm at fall. I haven't written a single story about uh, Pouncey, which I would like to just, it just hasn't happened. But um Mm-hmm. I just think what he, what he does for the team, I mean, to Castro, I mean, that block on, on Bell's touchdown against Miami, I mean, that was that was, that was was a thing of art. And then, obviously, you look at the defense, and, I, you know, going to Ohio State, I'm a big Ryan Chazier fan, so watching him continue to get better really makes me happy. And it stinks that, you know, people are so quick to, to label people as, as busts, at, you know, one year into their careers, and then all of a sudden it's like, mm-hmm. you know, now they don't want to come back and say that Chazier is good because they don't want to have to contradict themselves. That's okay. That's, that's what being a sports fan is all about. <laughs> Looking at the Chiefs, they're 20 – like, it, it, it's funny because it was kind of like last week when you look at the Dolphins and you see how bad they are statistically in all these, all these categories. You're like, well, they're 10-6, and six, though. When you look at Kansas City, they're like in the middle – everywhere you know it's like or, or worse you know 26 against the run uh what is it 140 yards a game and, and then you look at like they don't really they don't have a lot of sacks and the Steelers have more sacks than they do which is not not that that you know terrible because Steelers are in the top 10 in sacks but I digress so it's mm-hmm. like you know but the only stat that sticks out to me is, is is the turnovers I mean between uh their two best defensive backs there's there's 10 interceptions there I mean, they do have one guy uh, that has that is it Hill or whatnot that has ten sacks. So they have one guy that can really get after the passer. But is it just that simple with just turnovers? If you if you don't turn the ball over against Kansas City, then you're you're probably going to win the game. And is it that simple when you look at Steelers' offense versus Chiefs' defense? Um, I think that's the first key is to not make the big mistakes because they, they are number one in turnovers. Um, I think you also have to take into account Justin Houston only played five games this year. So um, if you look at – and in those five games, he had four sacks. So he won't show up on the season stats as far as like a big, uh, a big leader for them. But he's still, he's still the same Justin Houston that could break a game open just by getting, just by getting into your backfield. Um, so, I, but I, I think the, yes, the key is stopping the turnovers, and you know, being 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 consistent with the ball. You got still. I still think that's the same thing as last week. Um, the running game is going to be there. They, they're going to be able to run the ball. I think the defense is going to have a good game. They're going to be able to at least slow down Kansas City so that they only put up, oh, like say seventeen or twenty points. It's going to be about the offense. Can they get out in front on them again? You know, you know, and they did it. They did it last week to the Dolphins, but they also did it to the Chiefs in Week Four. 
you know, first play, they went deep to Sammy Coates with Marcus Peters in coverage and completed a 40-yard pass that, that allowed them to sort of, you know, open up, open up the game. And then they were, they were up 21 to nothing by the end of the first quarter, I think, or 22 to nothing by the end of the first quarter. So, um, you know, it's going to be, you know, I'm not saying that they need to go to up 22, nothing in the first quarter, but it needs to be something similar like this week, getting two touchdowns on the board and not field goals because field goals sort of leave that, that little bit of hope in for that, for the, for the opponent to come back on them. Um, but I, I'm looking for, you know, defense, get those early stops, you know, they're going to try and hit those passes over the middle with Alex Smith and his, you know, he's going to try and get the quick passes, take away those, those easy reads, force him to have to read through the processes of the defense, give your pass rushers time to get there because the Steelers are getting after the pass rusher. I mean, they got four sacks on Kansas city last time and the defense was nowhere near as coordinated as put together as it was, as it, as it, as it is now. Um, so I think that the Steelers are going to have a good time getting after Alex Smith. So to me, the key is don't turn the ball over and, you know, put up points in bunches early, get those two touchdowns on the board in the first quarter. Um, and I think that you're going to see this Chiefs team, they're going to start, they're going to start to have to get desperate. And then that's when the defense can, um, can get, can start to get, you know, create their own sort of turnovers. And I think what's really important about that. If you look back to the Dolphins game, they, they, the Steelers created three straight turnovers off from Dolphins possessions. They were all on first down passing plays. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Moore blit, got got blitzed by James Harrison, sack fumble. Mike Mitchell blitzed on, um, on Matt Moore, sack fumble. And, you know, then one time Matt Moore thought that Chasey was blitzing. He wasn't. He faked him out. He dropped right back and intercepted the pass. Those are all first down plays when the Steelers were able to pin their ears back and be like, look, we don't have to worry about the run nearly as much. Let's, let's get after the pass because they, they have to catch up. Um, so, again, when the offense, the better part of this team, when you have Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown, they're all healthy now, it's, and you have that offensive line in front of you, like you said, Marquise Pouncey may be the most underrated player on this team. Um, you know, when you have those kind of weapons and the, the kind of support guys that have been stepping up like Eli Rogers and Jesse James and Kobe Hamilton, um, you need to be able to put up points. And if they do that, this team is going to walk over Kansas City, in my opinion. Man, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I, you know, I was talking to my cousin just off, you know, off, you know, just outside of work the other night, and I was, I was like, I'm nervous for this game, Chris. I, as just you know, you, you, as a fan, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. not sure why, because I don't. Is it is in my mind? I'm thinking, you know, I, I guess I'm still scarred a little bit from that Eagles game, which which is totally, you know, an inaccurate fear or an unwarranted fear because. You know, you look at Sean Davis in that game. They're plugging him in. He's got to go against Darren Sproles, who has 90 years of, of league experience on that one touchdown. And, you know, they, there was no film out on Carson Wentz. But, and the fact that they haven't lost, the, I think they've won, what, their last three road games during that winning streak or whatnot, or, you know, three or four. I think mm-hmm. it's three. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's my, – my fear is warranted. I, I just think it's Kansas City. I just think that they are – you know, they're battle-tested in the postseason now because they, they, they bludgeoned uh, Houston last year in the wild-card round, and then they go to, uh, you know, then they go to New England and almost beat New England uh, the next week. And then this year, I mean, outside of that, that massacre that we put on them, I mean, they, they've been a very good team once again. So, uh, you know, but I like the fact that you're confident. That makes That makes me feel a lot better, but – when you look at Alex Smith, and it's amazing because if you look at his stats, you cover his name. You're, you're. It's, it's like reading Neil O'Donnell's 1995 statistics. It's like three, you know, about you know, three thousand yards in the middle, 
15 touchdowns, eight interceptions. That 15-8, that's like a Neil O'Donnell stat line. It doesn't turn the ball over. Like, what's the best way to get to him? Is it is it just pressure, uh, or is it – I mean, obviously, you know, uh, Jarvis Jones had a nice interception against him back in week four. Is it mostly mm-hmm. just getting pressure on him, or, or what are other ways to beat him? Well, I mean, number one way, there's – it's gonna. It's gonna be. Alex Smith is, is not a guy that that I am going to say. All right, let we have to change up everything for. Um, the number mm-hmm. one thing, as it always will be, is first of all stop the run. They, you know, they still right. have Spencer Ware. Um, yeah, you just have to be. If you plug up the holes, take away the run game, and force their early downs to have to. If you want, as they tell them, like, look, if you want to move the ball, you, you're going to have to throw on early downs and take those take those chances, um, and. You know, you can't commit to, to thinking that they're going to give you those early down passes so really, you know, super early in the game. You have to be con- consistent enough to stop the run. Um, but, you know, on those, er- on those early plays, you know, get stop the run, play, play tight defense, you know, I, I, you know, don't give them the easy underneath stuff. And if you do, you know, tackle and force it, you know, the second and five or the third and five. Um, and I think when you get to the point, you've got to win those third downs. That's something that they did better against the Dolphins. They were able to win some third downs. You wanted to see them win a few more. Um, but if they can win those third downs, force the, force the Chiefs off the field, um, you know, and part of that is taking away the quick read. Don't let Alex Smith get something open, and that means every guy is going to have to be accountable. Now, the fortunate thing is, I think in this, in this run they've had, the secondary and the linebackers have been very accountable for where they're supposed to be. Um, you know, in the, the times that te- the teams will get first downs, it was just a good play call. Because, you know, you can't guard everything on defense. So, you know, there's going to be times when, you know, a quarterback can find someone in the defense open. Um, but the still thing is, it's, you know, the Steelers have to do their job is that when, uh, when they call a cover two or a cover three or they, they, you know, they have a specified uh, zone blitz, there's going to be times where it's like, look, you know, there's going to be certain things that are covered and there's, there's going to be one weakness and you got to find where that soft spot is in our zone. And, um you know, it, it, and those are the things that elite quarterbacks do consistently, uh, which is why I think Tom Brady did, has done so well against the Steelers in certain situations because he can he can work through those mental processes much faster than everyone else. Um, but Alex Smith's going to be able to do all that, and I think that as he's trying to, because he can get there. Like you know, he is a quarterback. He is a, a veteran. He can. I think he knows you know defenses. He can recognize things, but he's not as he's not as sharp as Brady would be. Um, and I think that in those situations, that's when the pass rush is going to get to them. So take away the run, take away the quick passes, force them into third and eight or so type of situations. That's when you can pin your ears back, and you'll be able to see those. You'll see they'll win those 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 situations more often than not on third and longs. Um, and when that happens after so many so many possessions, if the offense is giving them some help, that's when the Alex Smith will have to start dropping back more on early downs and you'll see James Harrison just sort of just go after him a little bit more. They'll call more exotic blitzes on the early downs. And then, uh, and then I think that's when you'll start seeing mistakes of the Chiefs offense. Cause then you're going to, the pressure is going to be on their offensive line to identify what the different looks are. And that's something that I really love that Keith Butler is doing. He's bringing a lot of people to the line of scrimmage um, and sort of mixing up and say like, look, any one of these seven guys could be rushing you right now. You have to you have to be accountable for your gap, and when you put that pressure on um, on offensive linemen, um, you, they really test their metal. It's just like, all right, well, we're going to see how good you guys really are, and um, that's what that's what sort of happened last week. They put the test on the Dolphins, and they were not able to hold up 
I mean, even some of the plays that weren't sacks, they were able to, you know, the Steelers were able to get after them and just force an early throw. Those type of things will really change the game for you. And I think that's the key to beating Alex Smith and the Chiefs. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, even that play that, that Sean Davis came in on that got hurt, I mean, he didn't make the tackle. He just he just mm-hmm. went he just shot through so fast. You couldn't see his number. You were just like, Who was that guy right. that just like, with with Paul Malu's speed that just flew right through there? So but you're right. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was to your point, it was James Harrison near the end of the first half, then it's Mike Mitchell. So you're going linebacker free safety wreaking havoc like that and when you look back at week four, I mean, Vince Williams had 16 tackles, 14 solo, and a sack. Uh, he hasn't mm-hmm. had that kind of production, you know, from that point out, but that's, that's hard to kind of – it's hard to top that, 16 tackles. I think him and Shazier yeah. – I mean, I think Shazier had 15 back in, in 2015 week two. So, it's like, you know, that, that was a nice performance by him. Jarvis Jones had an interception that game. Hayward had three of the four sacks, so obviously you'll, you'll need it or someone else to step up on the defensive line to get pressure on Smith, but – to me, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of Steelers fans are talking about Kelsey. I think we've done a much better job covering tight ends this year. I mean, even Gronkowski didn't get rolling until late. It's just when you make two late, you know, big plays like he did late, it kind of overshadows, unfortunately, all the good they did against him for the rest of the game. But uh, I'm not that worried about Kelsey. To me, honestly, it, it's Tyree Hill that, that, that scares me. The dude has – I mean, it's like court, it's like slash on steroids. It really is, like – Except he doesn't play quarterback. He, he scored touchdowns four different ways. And honestly, like, I wasn't buying the, the Tyree Kill, like, you know, am I worried about him until I was reading his statistics. And I was like, my goodness. Like, he, you know, it's kind of like Hill where it's like, uh, you know, they don't, I don't know. It's just what facet of his game most worries you? Is it, you know, misdirections in the running game? Because to me, it's like, I don't, I'm not worried about Chandra Quest. I'm not worried about any of their other running backs. I'm afraid of maybe somebody giving, you know, having speed to the outside. Almost like C.J. Anderson, how they used him a little bit in the divisional round last year, where he would kind of find creases on the outside. Because um, the Steelers haven't really faced a lot of just really freakishly athletic guys. J.H.I. is really good. I'm not hating on him. But he's just your classic bruising power, you know, running back that has some speed. I think with Hill, it's totally different. Uh, are you more worried about what he can do on offense, or is it, or is it special teams? I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it's special teams. But, but what are you thinking? Uh, to me, the special teams is always something that if you play within your within your disciplines, it's a lot easier to contain. Um, you know, he's dangerous when he gets the ball in his hands, but, you know, put, you know, you need your punters and kickers to put him in corners. You know, your kicker, you know, Boswell, he needs to be able to boot that ball deep into the end zone um, to say, like, look, if you're going to take it out from eight yards deep, you can do that, but we're coming. Um, and, you know, and the Steelers got to make him pay by tackling him inside the 25 to say, like, you know, send a message like, look, you're not having that kind of day against us. Uh, but to me, I think the biggest, the biggest problem that could come from Tyreek Hill is in the running game. Um, and to the, uh, I look back at his um, – at some of his bigger plays and what he does for that offense, you know, because they don't have Jamal Charles right now. Um, so they need an, an X factor in the backfield. And it sort of became Tyreek Hill at different points of the season. Um, they could line up center wear and Tyreek Hill in the shotgun as uh, Alex Smith's two sidecars. And it sort of gave Alex Smith that triple option look because everyone knows that Alex Smith can, can run the ball a little bit. You know, he's not – He's not going to kill you, but he can, he can certainly hurt you for five or six yards. So, you know, I've seen what they'll do is they'll line them up back there, and then they snap the ball. You know, he can look to Spencer Ware, and he can look to Tyreek Hill, 
or he can run it himself. Um, and what that does for a lot of teams is that freezes their middle linebackers so that they got to, they're, they're sitting there reading what, oh, what are they trying to do? What are they trying to do? What can I, where can I go? Where can I go? Um, and when that happens is that, that those two, three seconds that they do that for, those middle linebackers are standing there. The guards and, and, and offensive linemen are able to ascend to that second level and get to the linebackers. And then when Alex Smith hands the ball to Tyreek Hill, you know, he's not a guy that's going to make someone miss in small spaces. He's not a guy that's going to shake you up and, you know, and, and do like what Le'Veon Bell does in, in, small, in small tight areas. But he's a guy that if the hole is there, he's going to hit it and hit it fast and hard. And if he's if he's going like that, once he hits the hole, I mean you can't you, you can't expect your secondary to come up and make a tackle on him at that point. So I think the biggest thing is going to be when they do those type of things. Ryan Chazier, Lawrence Timmons, as they've done consistently for quite a few weeks now, they're going to have to be able to you know still play their play their gaps. Don't you know? Don't let let those kind of plays force them, force you to hesitate. You know, fulfill your responsibility, play your gaps because here's the thing: every play. Before the play happens, there, there are certain holes that you know you have to fill. Um, and in those situations, that's when Shazier and Timmons are going to be the guys that, that, that sort of come up like that. And the same thing goes for Harrison and Dupree. They're going to have to maintain those edges and force everything back to the inside so that Tyreek Hill only has a select few uh, options for him to go to. It. But when he runs those select few, that's where the help is going to be, and they, they have to be ready. So, But to me, that's the most dangerous thing because if the Steelers' defense starts to hesitate even just a second, he can rip off a huge run, and those types of plays can change everything. Yeah, and, and yeah, and it's like when you think about the Denver game last year, I mean, defense played so well. Uh, and I don't think they played bad the entire game, to be honest with you. They gave up the I, – I think, I, did, I think last year it was closing games sometimes was, was their bugaboo, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, I, that's really obviously the, the biggest, you know, biggest example of that was that game where, you know, Tucson has the fumble and then, you know, Denver kind of gets their second win. They convert that big third down on that pass over the middle and then, you know, they punch it in from there. But other than that, I mean, um, the Steelers weren't hesitating prior to that and they were getting after Manning. I mean, they were – uh, in control of that game was it ten to nine at that point or thir- it was thirteen nine or I think when that happened uh, when that turnover happened so the Steelers were going in and really kind of put their their stamp on the game or thirteen twelve excuse me but uh, yeah so I agree with you but it was it was the, you know it was just those those quick bursts outside by Anderson because the Steelers aren't used to allowing yards uh, via the running game so when that starts happening right. then all of a sudden. Uh, they're out of their element a little bit, and they can't just pin their ears back and, and then just focus on the quarterback. So uh, I'm honest. I mean, and, and no knock on West. It's not like he's really listening to me, anyways. But I'm not worried about their traditional running backs. To me, it, it, it's like Hill. Right. And, and but to me, again, I, I just I don't fear the defense having a setback. I just don't. And if they do, I don't think it's going to be against the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm just very, you know, for whatever. I'm just very confident in this defense's. Uh, you know, uh, what they can do, what they've shown they can do, and they're extremely well coached. Uh, they buy in. They get after it. And I think that when you look at their evolution as a whole, with the leadership, the new leadership uh, with Shazier and company, uh, meshed in with, with how Timmons has played, his evolution as a leader, um, which has been, you know, that it's not a new thing now. Then uh, you look at James Harrison, I just think from, from all angles. And Kansas City – I don't think has ever faced uh, Bud Dupree because I don't really think he played that much in, in Kansas City back in week seven. He probably played a little bit in that game, but he wasn't a starter at that point. So 
I've been really, I'm sure you have too. I mean, just really impressed with what he's, he's done. I mean, it doesn't with Dupree show up as much in the sack department, but he's getting there. Uh, obviously everybody knows the hit on the hit on Matt and Moore. Um, so there was a little bit of chippiness in the Chiefs game going back to the offensive side. I know Ben was kind of slammed down late. Um, do you see any pass protection being an issue against the Chiefs? I mean, they, they like it's like we've talked about, you know, Houston can definitely get to the quarterback. Do they do a lot of exotic blitzes or, or do they just traditionally oh, yeah. do they just play traditional defense? Oh no, they they blitz you from the left outside, from the right side, all with one thing in their mind. Uh, <laughs> quoting John Pacenda there, uh, but uh, they they throw everything at you. There's times where they will line up Tom Bahali right next to Justin Houston and put Justin Houston to the inside of him. They will give you so many different looks, and that's something that we talked about um, yesterday on Carter's classroom on DKPittsburghSports.com with how Justin Houston, the reason he's such an X-factor is because he can line up in so many places and beat you. And that's where the Steelers, you know, the, what's really going to answer to answer the question, you know, what's really going to come down to the pass protection is communication. Can, they, can the Steelers identify what the Chiefs are doing and be like, all right, look, I got this guy, we got this gap, we got this gap. No, even if these guys twist, it doesn't matter. As long as you, as long as you don't let no one beat you to in your spot, you're going to be good to go. Um, and I think that that's going to be the biggest challenge is identifying where they're at and winning those battles because against Marcus Gilbert, Justin Houston will have a hard time. Um, you know, because Marcus Gilbert has shut him out a few times now. And just like you shut out Vaughn Miller from getting any sacks, but that doesn't mean that it's going to happen every, every Sunday. And Justin Houston, he's had a couple of weeks of rest because he was he's coming off injury. So I think that it's going to be, it's going to be a nice, uh, it's going to be a nice challenge to see Marcus Gilbert take after him. But he's going to line up inside of Marcus Gilbert. He's going to he's going to move around a little bit. Tom Bali, you know, how will Villanueva deal with him? I think Villanueva's shown a lot of improvements, and, and, and that's another thing that I li- really like about this Steelers team. When when I talk about, you know, how you know people talk about their chances of winning, they've really improved consistently, much like they did last year. You know, the defense started off slow, but they really started to pick it up. You know, towards the playoffs, and that's sort of what the, the defense holding them together last year was the reason they were able to stay in games. Uh, and, you know, a big reason why they were to win that Bengals game because they were shutting them out for most of that game. Um, and I think this time around, you know, you saw how they just dominated the Dolphins. I think it's going to be another situation for them uh, against the Chiefs. But, yeah, I mean, stopping Houston and, and Holly, and I think Derek Johnson's out this week, but uh, John Terry Poe's still going to be there. You know, they're going to try and throw as many looks at you as they can. They'll, blitz, they'll also blitz some safeties and, and, you know, and some cornerbacks in there. So, it's going to be identifying communication. How prepared are they? Can Ben Roethlisberger, you know, identify what's going on pre-snap and help out the offensive line with, you know, with saying, all right, this is what we got to look for, you know, and be ready for that. Uh, but I think that, I think that with the way that they've been playing, because the, the Dolphins tried a few blitzes on them last week, I think they'll be ready for what the Chiefs try to throw at them, especially since they've seen it before. And I think that um, it's, it, it wasn't necessarily last time that the Chiefs were doing anything bad on the defensive front side. The mistake last time were in the secondary for the Chiefs. And then that will be the question, you know, you know, uh, coming into this game, how much of an improvement they brought back there. Because Eric Berry's having a lights-out season. Marcus Peters is still a bad man back there. Um, so I think there's, that's going to be the questions to, to ask is going to be seeing, you know, can the – can this can the Steelers get the same big plays they got last time against the Chiefs, which broke the game open? Yeah, and that's where not having Sammy at, at his full potential hurts because he he was the Steelers' yeah. big play guy. I mean, he was, and it's you know that's the Steelers' offense that 
I, I guess they've lacked is that yeah, AB has the 50, 60 yard touchdowns, but they're they're not bombs. I mean, those, those were passes that were thrown like the first one was around the line of scrimmage, the second one was like a 10 yard hitch that he took all the way. Uh, so I guess that to me is like the only fear. But um, that leads, I guess, to my next question would be outside of you know the 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 killer bees, you know that they call them like what. Or the other, you know, what weapons do you think are going to step up most? I mean, if, if Green doesn't play, will they use their tight ends a lot? You know, I know that, that James caught a red zone touchdown, Jesse James, against them back in week four. Um, I mean, Sammy had the big day. He actually led him in receiving yards that night. I mean, I'm pretty much going to assume he's not going to do that again. <laughs> so, right. You know, is, is, is it Eli? Is it, is it Ayers? Is it Kobe? Uh, what, do you, what do you think there? And I think I think I'm just before I hand it over to you. I, I think it could be Kobe because mm-hmm. he has shown the knack to get deep. He has shown the knack to make big plays. He just doesn't make a lot of them because there's other there's other weapons on the team. Uh, who do you think could could fill that that you know that void on Sunday? I think it's going to be less about who who who's who's who, like, who's going to make the big play. I think it's going to be more about who Ben finds you know kind of leaking open. Um, I think Demarcus Ayers is a, is a guy that, that that could be. You know, I think a lot. You know, a lot of people don't realize how good this guy could be in the NFL, which is something that I think people should really take a look at if they want to. Um, if you if you're worried at all about you know not being able to pay for Marcus Wheaton, um, or you know or you know Martavis Bryant, you know not being able to come back and 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 you know not use marijuana and stay off, stay off the suspension list. Uh, DeMarcus Ayers looks like he's a guy that is quick, good hands. Um, he still has a lot of refining to do, but he looks like a guy that the Steelers could develop into uh, a solid number two receiver, maybe even someday number one. Uh, of course, he would never be number one in front of Antonio Brown, but um, a guy that could get open at from any point in the field. He's really quick, he's really fast, and he knows how to put moves on defenders, which is something that I really liked out of him when I was watching him in Houston. Um, and watching like a lot of his game tape, so um, I'm I'm gonna say Demarcus Ayers just for now. It could still be, but here's the thing with this offense: if Ben's clicking, it's anyone. It's not gonna be just one person. It could be Justin James Cook will get those red zone targets. Um, you know, Eli Rogers will will break open. But it's just about positioning and who happens to be open. Um, like for example, the first third down conversion they had against the Dolphins this week was such a huge play that they set up. It was so beautifully executed. They were, they lined up three receivers to the right. They, you know, they, 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 they basically said, Hey, we're throwing a screen to Antonio Brown. And on the, on the set, on the onset of that play, they snapped the ball. Ben looks right to Brown. He back, he's backing up. He's in the normal screen position. Three dolphins just fly to that side of the field. And Kobe Hamilton went over there to block. Eli Rogers started to, and then just stood there and, then Ben just hit him, and he had, and then Marquise Pouncey released. Pouncey took took one guy out, and Rodgers was able to get ten yards on the play and converted the third down play. Um, those those types of things, those are the things that that, that keep defenses honest. And they're like, well, crap, we bit we bit on that one because they know that they have to be aggressive to stop Antonio Brown and to stop Le'Veon Bell. Um, so you know, I think it's going to be it's not going to be one guy. It's going to be a team effort from those backup guys. You know, when Ben gets in the ball, can they catch it? Can they get the? Can they catch it and get the first down? Can they get open? Can they run their routes consistently and not make mistakes like Demarcus Ayers made late in that fourth quarter against the Dolphins? It's going to be attention to detail and finishing the job. That's going to be the key. The key for those guys. 
making the plays. But, you know, if I had to pick one guy, we DeMarcus Ayers just pulling a name out of a hat. But it's really going to be a team effort from those backup guys just making the plays when they're open and Ben being able to find them. And they've done an awesome job. I mean, they really have. It It reminds yeah. me a lot of the <clears throat> the five wides from not the 90s where – you know, each and I don't know, I don't know who, which one's who, who's Hastings, who's Mills, whatnot. But you know, it really reminds me of that, where it's just you know, like, in, and remember uh, during that playoff run, it was Ernie Mills who was making those clutch plays against the Bills in the divisional rounds, and then the mm-hmm. championship game, he, he got behind the defense and caught that 37-yard pass, which would have probably been rolled in completion today, sadly under review. But that's neither here nor there. Um, we, we got about you know seven, eight minutes left on the show here. Chris Carter from DK Pittsburgh Sports joining us. I'm liking the Steelers. I'm going to go maybe lower scoring, like a 22 to 13 game, some somewhere in that neighborhood. Where, what are you thinking? Um, hmm. no, I should have crunched my numbers before I came on the show. Uh, but I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. It's going to be around the lines of 28. No, I'm going to say there's going to be a field goal too. So I'm going to, I'm going to say 31, 31 to like to like. 16 or 17. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a comfortable game for Steelers fans to watch, you know, which really nothing ever is a comfortable game for Steelers fans to watch. Cause we freak right. out at the smallest things. but I think that they're going to be able to handle their business. Um, I think this is where the week that Ben Roethlisberger shakes off the, I can't play on the road thing that's been following him all this season. Uh, he comes out, he puts up some points, and um, that allows the, the defense to get a really comfortable. I think they make some big plays this game, create some turnovers, get some sacks on Alex Smith, and um, I, think, I think they control it. So I'll say 31-17, um, so just as like a comfortable sort of scoring, because I do think the Steelers will put up points. Um, I understand it's going to be a, a quote-unquote wintry mix for this game that everyone keeps talking about. I don't think that's going to play much of a factor. I think they're going to be able to do what they do, and the defense is going to come out there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm putting up a comfortable route score for, like, a 14-point difference. Oh, comfortable. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. One thing, too, you know, and I think, I think that's the thing that sometimes as people that aren't playing for the team we, we forget is that, you know, and, and it, I think it's a beautiful thing because they were talking to Le'Veon Bell I can't remember exactly when but uh, or which media outlet, but they were asking him about um, the weather. It might just have been his regular media conference, but regardless. And not the weather, I'm sorry, Kansas City fans at Arrowhead Stadium. And he was like, you know, that's actually one of my favorite places to play. You know, I love the atmosphere. It's, it, you know, because you know, obviously he played there uh, week seven, I think it was, in the 2015 season where he, he popped off, I think, 120 yards on 17 carries in that mm-hmm. game. And, he said, you know, uh, I love the fan, you know, I, I, you know, he loves those atmospheres. And that is so encouraging as, as someone that, you know, obviously wants the team to do well, as, as I do, because it just shows you those guys aren't phased by, they're not, they're not only not phased by going into other stadiums, they relish it and they enjoy it. And I think it's that mindset this team doesn't, you know, they're not afraid. And as Coach Tomlin always says, you know, don't blink. Uh, I think they, they buy into that no blink mentality. And I think that they're, you know, they have guys on that team that are gamers, guys that like to go into other stadiums. I mean, obviously, they would have probably loved to have the game at home. But I don't think they really mind going on the road. I really don't. I, I mean, and it, it, it's shown during their winning streak. They go on the road. They handle their business. So, and I think you're right about Ben. I think people are really, you know, overblowing the two turnovers from Sunday. 
Because, I mean, the, that one mm-hmm. was, you know, it, yeah, the ball was a little high, but Brown, Brown being Antonio Brown should have caught that pass. And then, uh, yeah. you know, the, uh, the, the late interception was obviously errors in, and Ben having the miscommunication. So I don't think they're going to have those big turnovers. And really, whenever the game's in doubt or it's a big game, Ben normally dials those, those turnovers back, and he, and he doesn't make you know, the big t- – I mean, I don't, what, what, what playoff game do, does anybody remember where Ben made it stands – his rookie go around back in 04. I mean, Ben does not make big turnovers in playoff games. He just doesn't. So um, I don't think that's going to happen now against the Chiefs. So um, not quite as confident as you are, but, but I like your score prediction. And uh, I think the Steelers will win too. Like I said, maybe like a 22 to 13 game, somewhere in that neighborhood. I just, I just think the Chiefs offense is too limited. And I think when you have a gaping deficiency, 26 in the league in rushing, it's rush defense. The Steelers aren't that bad, I don't think, anywhere across the board. And people, you know, I know I know, Alex Smith, you know, I guess this is the last question I would ask you, Chris. I mean, is there anything to be afraid of when you saw that Alex Smith completed 30 of 50 passes? I don't necessarily think so because he threw 20 in completion. So that's not really that great in terms of completion percentage. And the fact that the Steelers had such a big lead that, that they were going to throw the ball a lot. I mean, is that, that doesn't scare me. Should that scare Steelers fans looking at his 30 of 50 from last time they played? Not really. I mean, if you look at uh, if if you look at uh, if you look at some of the the you know if you look at Matt number Matt Moore's numbers, I mean, he was able to put up some, some yeah. high completions numbers. Uh, so to me, it's it's never about and anyone that looks at that and says, "Oh, that's a problem for the Steelers defense." You 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 don't understand that like the how this defense were, has worked for years under Dick LeBeau, um, you know, and now mm-hmm. the transition to Butler. Uh, the like Colin Coward was talking about that. Like, look, they, he completed 80% of his passes. That's horrible. And I'm like, that's, that's not horrible because, look, they only put up six, uh, six, six points. So, you know, calm down. Right. Um, or 13 right. points, however. But, um, but you, know, you look at the thing about the Steelers defense, they'll let you complete those underneath passes if it means that you're going to be getting, you know, only three or four yards and it's going to be third or fourth down. Um, and that's when – and I think, that, like, those are the things that, that, that quarterbacks get um, off the Steelers, and that's fine. They're willing to give you stats. I mean, you know, I remember when the Steelers beat the tar out of the Browns when Johnny Manziel was the quarterback. He had higher completion numbers, and, it's, and that's like an illusion. People always go to that and say, "Look at, look, he had a good game." No, he didn't. He, he the Steelers, he he took the few things the Steelers allowed them to, and that's what they wanted him to to do because that's what allowed the defense to keep control of the game. Um, so, you know, for me, it, it, you know worried about any you know percentage numbers what the biggest difference will be can the Steelers keep the run in check Can they keep Tyreek Hill in check can they make the tackles when they see the ball and can they get after the quarterback if they do the, those few things they're going to they're going to put the, the Chiefs into a bind I think they're going to and you're going to see them crumble a little bit and who knows Alex Smith may have 200 yards and a touchdown and you know 30 30 completions this time around but He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to earn each and every one of them if they're if they're handling their business. And I don't think. And I think at the end of the day, he gets those completions and he gets those yards, and the Chiefs still lose because their offense couldn't get it going. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Chris. And I, and I think that you know they, you know, it's it to me has been enjoyable because you watch teams like that that second half against Miami. I mean. The Steelers' defense, like you said, they'll give up the underneath stuff, but when the ball gets closer and closer to that red zone, they get they start playing better and better. And if you only allow – at the end of the day, the only stat that really matters defensively is how many points you're allowing. That's it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, 
12 points, you know, that's it. And uh, I think, like you said, that's the only statistic that matters is how many points you allow. And the Steelers don't allow opponents to score 20. Like, if if the Chiefs go out there and score 19 points, the Steelers should win this game, even 20 points. I mean, Mm -hmm. if the Steelers defense gives up 20 points a game here on out, you got to like your chances, you know, because your offense is definitely capable of scoring more than that. So, you know, I I, I totally agree with you. I think when you look at what the Steelers do – they get these big leads, then they don't care. You can throw all those little passes you want. Uh, it, you know, they'll they'll make the plays when necessary. I, I don't I don't think Burns or any of those guys are going to hit the rookie wall. They've shown that they're a phenomenal rookie group, and um, I think that they're going to be great. I'm going to get you out here on one last question. This has nothing to do with Sunday's game. I was actually asked on okay. Facebook Live who I think would win between the 78 Steelers and the 08 Steelers, and believe it or not, actually oh, didn't just – Go ahead and say the 78 Steelers. I said that with Ben at quarterback, I, I think with that defense the Steelers had no way, they, they might have a chance of upsetting those 78. Uh, am I right or am I wrong? I, I think they stay with the 78 Steelers. Um, my, my thing about that is that there were just so many weapons on that team. Um, yeah. You know, Ben Roethlisberger would have to be really consistent. <clears throat> and, when you got Mel Blunt and Donnie Shell flying around back there, and Jack Lambert and the Steel Curtain defense is still is still intact, um, I, I don't think that the Steelers would just be able the offense their offense would move the ball as well against that '78 team as they did to everyone else. Um, whereas this, whereas, whereas the the 2008 defense versus the Terry Bradshaw's offense, you know, I think that that would be the most fun matchup to watch because you have Troy yeah. Polamalu. James Harrison in his prime, you know, James Ferrier plugging up the middle, Casey Hampton go against Mike Webster. That'd be fun. Um, you know, but, you know, I, I'd go with the 78 Steelers simply because Bradshaw back there, I think he makes the right decisions. At that point, he had the command of the offense. He was calling his own plays. Uh, Franco Harris was still kicking butt back there. Um, you still had a good offensive line. I, I think at the end of the day, I would pick the 78 offense to make more plays than the 2008 defense than the 2008 offense to make more plays than the 78 defense. Um, that's just me. You know, I, you know, I'm an, you know, I'm an old head at heart. You know, I'm still, I'm only 27, but, uh, but I, I still am. I grew up watching those, those tapes of those teams and watching full games that my father was able to find. Um, and I, I just, when I, when I look at those guys and the way that they were able to communicate and work together, I just feel like that 78 team that they would be able to, make the big plays at the right times to topple the 2018. Now, I, you know, I think, and this is just me, if you, if this, if this Steelers team manages to make the Super Bowl or next year's Steelers team, when they get Mike Martavis Bryant, I think that would be a different story because I really like this role is rolling. Uh, they're not nearly as good as the 2008 defense yet, but I think that in a year or two, this could be the team that pe- that people start looking at as the best Steelers team ever if they can if they can stay healthy if they can maintain what's going on um, and not lose too many pieces over the next couple of years um, I think you're looking at Ryan Chazier and Lawrence Timmons going down as a really good middle linebacker pair um, you know Bud Dupree and James Harrison still doing their thing uh, you know the the young secondary coming in but Ben Roethlisberger if he can just find his rhythm with Antonio Brown Martavis Bryant Eli Rogers and whoever else they have back there, and you still have Le'Veon Bell working behind that line, I think that in the next next one or two years, they could make a serious run at being one of the best teams that have ever been because I don't think there's been that much talent on this roster since 2008 or so. 
No, you're right. You're right 100%. And it's crazy when I was thinking about it yesterday, I was like, you know, this might be the – this is probably the first time in my life that the Steelers have un, inarguably – nobody can argue it really – the top you know, three at their position at center, receiver, quarterback, wide receiver. You know, those four positions, they have the top three best player uh, there, you know, arguably the best in a couple of those positions. Defensively, they're young. They're thriving. Uh, and as you said, I think I think that and I think this team honestly, if they lose to Kansas City, which I don't, you know, I, we both don't think they will. I don't. This season's not a failure in my eyes. It's not. When you look at uh, Martavis Bryant being gone the whole year, <clears throat> pardon me, and they have to shuffle pieces around. I mean, you look at this offensive line. To be honest with you, like they 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 didn't have their biggest, you know, free agent acquisition for the line. Ryan Harris, Cody Wallace, who started every game last year, has been hurt all year long. I don't think he's played a single game this year. They started three rookies on defense. They were four and five after nine weeks. I mean, to me, whenever this season ends, it can't be, in my opinion, it can't be labeled as a failure. It just can't be. When you get to the final eight uh, in the NFL and you're going to play a team that's 20, you know, they've won 23 out of their last 27 regular season games, I believe, in Kansas City, it's just like it cannot be branded as a failure, especially, you know, also when you look at where this team was, you know, three years ago in eight and eight, and then two years ago, lost in the first round. Last year, you know, you lose in the second round to the eventual Super Bowl champion with a completed, de- depleted roster. Um, I think there could be some pushback if they lose this game. I don't think there would be much if they went beyond this. But uh, I don't know. To me, I agree with you. I think the future of this team is, is even brighter. I mean, like you said, it, it's, you know, the biggest question mark out there is health. And, and that's something that you can't predict. You just don't know. Uh, ben getting older, you, you do start to wonder when – uh, you know, more signs of age will just creep up. I think that Ben is aging better than Eli, uh, Eli Manning, which is honestly, if you would have told me that five years ago, I would, I would have said no way just because of all the hits that Ben's taken. Uh, but him and mm-hmm. Phil Rivers, man, they're, they're continuing to plug away and looking strong. And not like Roger or, uh, Manning is bad. He just led his team to an 11-win season. But you can see his deep ball is not quite what it once was because he's 35, 36 years old. But uh yeah, I agree with you, Chris, and, and I don't know if you agree with my, my failure statement on that one. I just think that this team is still building something, it, it, and, and if they win it this year, in my opinion, they did it, I don't want to say a year early, but without Hayward, without Bryant, without a lot of pieces that they usually have, I think if this team wins it this year, they've arrived one year early, and I think regardless of this season, Steeler fans have something to look forward to for the next couple of years. I agree. I think that um, that they're looking at a uh... – Excuse me. Um, I think that they're uh, that if if they win it this year, um, you know, I was talking I was talking with some people. I think I think they had a chance to steal one last year. It would have been really yeah. sweet to see it happen because I was really confident coming into this season about their chances to win to win because I think that you know if, as long as they ha- still have Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Ben Roethlisberger back there, if they can keep Martavis Bryant and that offensive line can can stay healthy. Um, yeah, I, I think this offense can be the best offense in the league if it can just get going and keep those guys on the field. Um, you do that, and I think this, that you're looking at one of the best teams in football, and especially with the defense that's, that's revamping and getting better each week. Man, uh, I mean, and Cameron Hayward's another guy. You know, if he's healthy, you know, where's this defense right now? Because you have a guy that's that X factor that, could, that was changing the game when the defense really wasn't all that together. Now they are. Um, Man, it, it it would be freakish to think to think about because then Artie Burns, who knows how much better that guy's going to get 
you know, Sean Davis, how much better he's getting, you know, and, and Mike Mitchell working with those guys. Uh, Ross Cockrell being the lockdown guy that he is, you know, man, that, that, that's fun to think about when, you, when you're a Steelers fan. Um, and especially Bud Dupree, like you said, you know, he's coming along, Ryan Chase here being an X factor and Lawrence Timmons playing lights out the way he is. He, he, he deserves a contract to stay here. Um, so man, um, yeah, I, I think it's exciting. If they get one this year, man, um, I, yeah, I, I like their chances to repeat next year. So because if, if they can keep around the same guys and not lose that continuity, um, and that, that will bring a lot of good stuff to this franchise. And uh, I mean, because I mean, honestly, you know, I'm looking at, you know, people are people are talking about, you know, the Patriots and their and their everything. I, I think the Patriots are on a tipping point for their franchise. If they don't win soon, they're going to see a long drought because they don't have the high draft picks over the past several years to sort of to keep that stability going. And they still got Tom Brady. I think that's the one thing they're holding on to. If, they, if, they, if, if Tom Brady can will them to some more championships, that's their best bet. But if, if, uh, if they aren't able to capitalize this year or next year, um, I think the Patriots are going to you know, fall into this dry spell for a, quite a long time. And um, that's going to that's gonna set, set them back. And I think it's the Steelers that, that could take away, you know, if they're, the, if they're the team that takes over the next couple seasons. Yeah, I I agree, and I think with 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 what they're gonna do, I I, I think everybody in the world. I mean, I, was it like, was it Sunday or Monday? My boss was like, Rappaport's reporting they're gonna they're gonna franchise Bell. It's like that's been that was said a month ago. I don't know why they keep retreading yeah. before everybody knows they're gonna they're <laughs> gonna franchise Bell. Like it's that's you know, but and it, and it and it works out perfectly because they can sign Brown, they can get Bell back, and uh, like you said, it's gonna be something. And they're going to have, what, maybe $33 million in salary cap space. Oh, yeah, it's going to be fun to work with that. And I really think that because that's going to come in handy soon when they have to sign Chazier into it. And, you know, they, 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 got, they got Brown, they got to re-sign. You know, you got to make sure you get Bell under contract after he gets his, after he gets his tag. Um, and, you know, they, they, they signed DeCastro to a big deal, and that was, that was huge in my eyes. But – Moving forward, they need to be able to lock up a lot of these defensive guys so that they can keep, they can build that nucleus, keep everything going. You know, let go of Jarvis Jones. I think that you've shown that Bud Dupree's got it. Um, you know, go after a pass rusher in this draft, and you know, see if James Harrison wants to stick around. You know, <laughs> the Angels wonder that he is. Maybe he does, but um, but I think I think he will. Unless, I, I think yeah. he will. Yeah, same. I mean, the way that he's playing right now, I don't see any. I mean, it, it looks like he's playing like he was back in 2010. Sometimes, man, and. Uh, it's really fun to watch that guy work. So I, I, I hope they keep it. He, he, he's cho- he chooses to stay around. Um, you know, if he doesn't, then, you know, I mean, he's done more than enough in his career, in my eyes, to be uh, considered for the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he'll get there because of the voting, but, um, you know, I, I think that he's, he's earned whatever he, whatever he wants as far as a Steelers legend. But, uh, but yeah, man, I, I think they're, they're, they're in a good position, especially with the salary cap, to sort of prove a point. Yeah, and with Harrison, I, I think he, he he's continuing to strengthen his case. Where I think I think if he didn't come back in fourteen, I don't think I don't know if he would have made it. Even though his resume was was so strong, um, but I, I think what he's done since he's come back, and I think that's this is now a part of his legacy is that he was thirty yeah. pushing thirty nine and can still do this. He led the team in sacks this year, albeit it wasn't an astronomical number, but he still did it and. 
you know, mm-hmm. led the charge there in the second half. I mean, he has a sack in his last, what, three postseason games. It's just, you know, what he's done is remarkable. And, uh, you know, I read, I, I saw that interview with Andrew Kramer. He spends $340,000 on his body, uh, just maintenance, masseuses, everything a year. It's really a shame that his name was drugged through the mud with the Aldridge Zero Report, especially because that was around the time his father passed. Uh, but I'm glad he's still playing. Mm-hmm. And I think he's done a lot in terms of just what he does on the field and also, uh, with his leadership qualities. Chris, we could talk for another hour, but I know you have to get back yeah. to work, and I have to probably probably work too. But thank you for joining our show. Uh, find Chris's work at DKPittsburghSports.com. You won't find uh, someone that will get you on the inside more than him. Uh, they have other really good writers too, but but read Chris's first and then read everyone else's. It's, it's great stuff he does and, and their site does, so check it out. Uh, so thanks again, Chris, and – Hopefully the Steelers win, and we'll talk again next week. So for everyone else out there, it's a great day to be a Steelers fan.